Well, hello, Mercy Road. It is awesome to be with you. If we haven't met, uh, my name is Chad Murphy. I'm the spiritual formation pastor here at Mercy Road. And it is my privilege to take us into God's word today. And before we step in and do that very thing, would you pray with me? Lord God, nothing surprises you. We are so delighted to be in your presence this morning. As we delve into your word, may you open up our hearts and our minds for the journey that you would like to take with us. Lord, we want to draw closer to you. We, we want our roots of faith to grow deeper in you. So, so, Lord, would you do that very thing among us today? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I'm taking us into the book of Acts today. If you're following in your Bibles or your phone, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 today, zeroing in on verses 23 through 31. And so as you get ready and, and turn there, the title of the message today is Give Us Great Boldness. And I want to start by asking you to use your imagination with me. We want to think about something that could manifest right here at Mercy Road. But right now, we're going to use our imaginations. Imagine with me that we as Mercy Road's church family were reaching out with the love and hope of Jesus Christ so profoundly, so powerfully, that lives were being changed today by the tens, tomorrow by the hundreds, and next week and the week following, perhaps by the thousands. Now, God is at work, and he's working through this church, and we are sharing our love and hope in Jesus Christ profoundly. And word is getting out in Burnsville, but well beyond Burnsville. It's going up to the cities. The, the news is even getting hold of this story. What's going on in this local church the problem is, many of the religious leaders in our greater Twin Cities are angry. They're actually jealous. And they literally are upset because we are proclaiming Christ and Christ crucified. And that message is no longer popular. And so we are called Pastor Mike and I, to literally, we're, we're not called. We're, we're put in jail overnight. And now it's the next day. And we're brought before this council of local religious leaders. And they say, what are you doing? And we look and we say, we're proclaiming Christ, Christ crucified. Our Savior, he, he loves you, he loves us. And we can tell they're not receiving this message well. Well, they go off and hold a private council and they come back and they say, from this point forward, may you not speak that word, never proclaim his name again, never speak and point to this man, Jesus Christ, again. And they threaten us. And they have power, remember, because they're connected to the political leaders. And, and we realize that, that their threats are not idle threats. 
But they don't know what to do with us, so they release us. And we come back to Mercy Road and we explain everything that happened in front of these religious leaders. What would we do as a church family? How would we respond knowing that these people, these religious leaders, have great power and they can make life very uncomfortable for us as a church? Now, we move back into the book of Acts. This is very much what happened in Acts chapter 4. The early church was forming. God was moving among the people. Peter, John, and the rest of the disciples were speaking boldly the name of Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel. The love of Christ was awakening hearts and tens and then hundreds and, yes, thousands of people were coming to faith in Jesus. And then one day, John and Peter are walking to the temple in Jerusalem. And they come to the gates, they're called beautiful, and there's a man sitting at the gate who's been crippled since birth. They place him at this gate every day so that he can beg. It's how he literally survives is by begging as to those who come through the gate. And John and Peter are walking through the gate, and he cries out to them. And Peter and John look at him, and he begs, and, and Peter confesses, silver and gold we, we do not have. But what we do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. And Peter puts out his hand, and the man gets up. And his feet and his legs are strong. Well, these crowds that have been gathering are, are there, and word goes quickly, and the crowds get even larger. And John and Peter proclaim Christ boldly, unashamedly. They share the love of Christ to this crowd that's gathered. And yes, this is not our imaginations, they do get arrested. And they're thrown in jail. And now it's the next day. And these religious leaders, the very religious leaders who called for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, say, what are you up to? And they share. We, we can't help it. We, we're, we're pointing to our Lord and Savior, the one you crucified. And, and, and we, we can't help but speak and point to him. Well, they gather together and counsel with one another, and they realize <laughs> this is a very popular moment for John and Peter. They just healed a man who'd been crippled for birth, from birth. They realize this is not the time to act on what they want to do, which is silence them, jail them, perhaps even crucify them. So they do what they know they can do, is they threaten John and Peter. They cry out to them, you must remain silent and not speak his name. And they threaten him, and they threaten Peter, and they threaten John, and they release them. Well, now John and Peter go back to the other disciples who are gathered, and that's where we pick up our story today in Acts chapter 4, beginning with verse 23. On their release... 
Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Isn't it interesting? And I think so beautiful that this early church that's just beginning to form found itself in this pivotal place where they're being called to be silent, to stop preaching, speaking this name, Jesus Christ. And yet, the first thing they do when they're gathered corporately together is they raise their voices together to pray to God. Amen? I love that. I wish that was always true of me when I feel threatened, when I'm insecure and I'm struggling, that, that the first default for me would be to pray and ask those I love to pray alongside of me. If you have your bulletins, I want to give you the first application for today's message. How can we develop a bolder witness for the Lord? Well, the first thing we can do is when we face difficulties and, pre and pressures on our own journey of faith, we need to turn to God in prayer. And I would encourage you not just to do it privately, which is so important, but we need to do it corporately. We need to come around, around each other and pray and, and, and speak to God and, and ask him, Lord, I'm facing something that feels daunting and overwhelming to me. Lord, I come before you and ask you to give me the strength I do not have on my own. You, you see, these early believers could have done what so many of us tend to do when we face difficulties, when, when trouble comes our way. What's our number one way of responding? We complain, right? God, why me? This isn't fair. I'm actually doing what you've called me to do, and, and this is my reward? I'm threatened? I'm bullied? God, why? We, we, we often head to the complaint department, but God wants us to go to the prayer department, right? And, and come before him together and lift our voices in prayer. The early church did that. It wasn't a perfect church, but this was almost a perfect moment. Let's continue with verse 24. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. This entire portion of the prayer speaks to the sovereignty of God. And sovereignty is a super cool word. It just means that God is in control. And I love this. So they come together corporately and they pray. And then they confess the sovereignty of God. If you listen, your enemies, Lord, 
only did what your power and your will had decided beforehand should happen. In other words, Pontius Pilate, Herod, Israel, the Gentiles, they all conspired. But guess what? They did not do anything except what you willed and allowed to happen. Sovereign God, you're in control. Our second application for today is affirming God's sovereignty helps keep him at the center of our lives. When, when the world feels like it's spinning out of control, it's so healthy and good for us to remember that God is sovereign and he is in control, even when we can't make sense of it. I don't know what this means for you today, but I can tell you personally, these last few weeks, we're moving next week. My world feels out of control. I'm kicking boxes in the day. I'm kicking more boxes at night. Our house is chaos. COVID is frustrating, right? And it's so healthy to remember God is sovereign. Even in the midst of uncertainty, he is sovereign and he is in control. That's what they confided in him. So they came corporately, they prayed together, they spoke and reminded themselves and, and shared with God, you are sovereign, you are holy, nothing happens outside of your will. And then they continued, verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I love this part of the prayer. I love this part of the prayer, right? I, I, I think we often, and I can say this on a personal basis, I think we often default to safe prayers, to protection prayers. And those are not sinful. Those, those are not wrong. Please don't hear that. But how often do we default to prayers of great boldness, right? This was the very same religious leaders who were calling for the crucifixion of Jesus and got that done not outside the will of God, but they still got it done. And here you are being threatened by those same people, right? Logic, safety says, God, keep us from their sight. Hide us well. Show us a cave that we can go to for the next six months until this problem resolves and they're after somebody else. Keep us safe, Lord. Protect us from our enemy. And, and again, I'm not minimizing that prayers for safety are, are, are pleasing and they're okay. But I would argue that why aren't we praying just as often for boldness? God, you know. You know what today is going to bring for me. You, you know my family doesn't love to hear about Jesus and they, they call me Jesus boy. You, you know that. Lord, don't let me cower. No, let me speak and point to you 
with great boldness. I, I, I want to pray more bold prayers. And I'm hoping you do too. In this time of COVID, this season we find ourselves, it is easy to just pray for it to be over, to, to just, just kind of hunker down and almost be silent. This is the time for the church to be bold and pray that God will give us boldness to share his light and his hope in ways we never imagined. I don't love this season we're in. It is frustrating, but I know that God is at work in this season. His promises, right, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And yes, he works in this time of COVID every bit as much as when we are past this part of our journey. So I want you to just think with me, what does it look like to pray bold prayers? To pray prayers that we might not have been comfortable praying before. Because I believe that's what the church did. I think the natural thing to do would have been to say, protect us, hunker down, help us be safe until their threats are gone. But instead they said, no, we're doubling down, Lord. You need to give us strength and power not to be afraid, not to hide, but to come forward with great boldness, knowing their threats, knowing what they want to do to us, Lord. Don't let us hide from you and our love for Jesus Christ. Pastor and Bible commentator Warren Worsby wrote about this passage that we just shared. This is one of the truly great prayers recorded in the Bible. And it's a good example for us to follow. And, and I 100% agree. What, what a picture of a beautiful prayer, a bold prayer, a, a prayer not to be safe, but a prayer to step into the difficulties of our life and say, God, I want you to use me even in this season I find myself in. Our next application is this. As servants of the Lord, we can pray for great boldness to share our hope in the Lord. And maybe I said we should be praying for great boldness to share our hope in the Lord. Some of you know this song well. It's probably the most famous hymn of our day. It's Amazing Grace. Many of you may know part of the backstory, all of the backstory. This song was written by a man named John Newton, whose life in itself was an amazing life. John Newton was the captain of a slave ship in the 1700s that brought slaves from their native land in, and brought them into slavery. And then John John. Newton's life was changed forever by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus got a hold of John Newton, and he changed John forever. John became a pastor. He clearly became a songwriter, writing Amazing Grace. But he also became one of the leaders of that day to bring an end to slavery. Well, I want to take you to the last days of his life. It's an amazing moment in time. 
It's December of 1806. John Newton's life is drawing to a close. And in his diary, he writes down a prayer that he prayed to God. And in this prayer, he asks God to help him as he comes to his end to have a faithful spirit. And then he closes this prayer with these words. If I can speak. I don't know if I'm going to be able to speak on those last days, but if I can speak, may I, may I bear my testimony to thy faithfulness and goodness with my last breath. What a prayer. What a bold prayer. That, that whatever days you give me, Lord, when, when it's coming to that last moment, my prayer is that I will point to and speak of your faithfulness and your goodness with my very last breath on earth. Amen. Oh, talk about bold, beautiful prayers. He had a friend, a colleague who was with him almost at the end. And he said, John Newton lived this out. <laughs> he was pointing to Jesus, proclaiming his goodness and his faithfulness in those very last days of his life. That's a beautiful prayer, a bold prayer. May that be our prayer. Whatever God, time God has for us on earth, may we point to his righteousness and his goodness in our lives as well. Before we close in prayer, I just want to speak to next Sunday. We've got a special Sunday. We've got a, a guest pastor coming, a guest speaker, and a panel coming who, who are going to talk about race relations. And I think it's so beautiful and pertinent for us to hear and process that together. I think it's going to be a special Sunday, and I just want to encourage you, whether it's online or in person, to, to come be part of that and, and hear as we can process what does this look like for the church and for us. I think we're all asking those questions, and I think it's going to be a helpful Sunday. So with that, I just want to sit down here with you, and will you pray a bold prayer with me as we close? Lord God, I just love this prayer and I want to pray it for us and I want us to pray it together. Lord God, may we walk out of here and live a life and walk with great boldness, both with our words and our actions. May the love and hope of Jesus fill us and spill out of us. And just like that early church, may we not just tuck in and, and go silent, but may we find new ways, new approaches to reach our family, our coworker, the kids at school, the people at the grocery store. May you give us a boldness to live and love in the name of Jesus in ways we could not imagine before today. Show us what that looks like as we walk out of this place. This is our prayer, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys.